but we know it's a trap. But we don't know it's an ocean. Hello and welcome to the Newton Knowledge Podcast. My name is Mark Singer, partner of Newton One Advisors, and I'm joined by our managing partner, Steve Target. Steve, how are we today? Mark, thanks for asking. I'm doing very well. The Newton Knowledge Podcast will provide meaningful content to our valued advisor community and anyone who is interested in learning more about sophisticated insurance-related topics focused on estate planning and executive benefits. Our discussions will deliver unique insights into the people, processes, and products that make our industry so critical. Newton One is a national life insurance planning firm delivering customized solutions structured to help clients and their advisors engaged in solving estate planning, wealth transfer, business succession, and executive benefits challenges. We are a member of the M Financial Group, which grants our clients access to the nation's elite carriers and exclusive products available only through our network. We're joined today by David Newfield a lawyer with Flaster Greenberg, a terrific multi-practice, 75 lawyers um, in total with offices in Philly, as well as along the, the East Coast. David heads up his Boca Raton, Florida office and has many years practicing in New Jersey, as well as New York and Pennsylvania. David is a tax and estate lawyer known nationwide as amongst the best. Today, we will, we will be looking at how taxes are affected by where you live. Our main focus will be on where one lives in the U.S. and state tax consequences. David, does leaving the U.S. free someone of paying U.S. tax, and is that is that what happened with uh, this particular celebrity case with Tina Turner's situation? Gentlemen, thank you for having me on. It, it, it's interesting, um, you know, uh, where you live, in, it does actually impact on the taxes you pay, clearly, and that's whether you move from the United States outside the United States or you move within the States. So in this case, um, we have a situation which seems like it might be uh, sort of a classic case of leaving the United States for tax benefits. I'm not so sure that Tina Turner actually was that situation. Uh, But regardless of what she did or why she did it, uh, it does bring to the conversation why people do things like this. Otherwise, generally, the, the, the thinking is that if I leave the United States, I no longer have to pay uh, U.S. income tax or maybe uh, estate tax. So that may be the case, but not really typically. All right. Uh, first of all, when we say leaving the United States, what we really mean is giving up your citizenship, right? Not a lot of people, you know, it's not, it's not just moving. Not, not a lot of people really want to give up the U.S. citizenship. But if that's a, if, if it's worth it enough, and there are plenty of people who are making a billion dollars on a sale of a business, think it might be worth it, might might try and do something like that. Um, however, it doesn't quite work the way we would like to see it work. First of all, if you uh, under under the current state of law, if you give up your citizenship, you actually have to uh, accelerate the gains on all of your property and pay tax as if you had sold everything. So right off the bat, it's it, regardless of what you might accomplish uh, after you leave this country, it's going to cost you a lot of money. Even if you're out of the country and you've relinquished your U.S. citizenship, and you uh, uh, have family back in the United States, and you want, and they, you give them, a, you die, and you, you give them a bequest, or you give them a gift. There's going to be still a state tax, a gift tax, effectively uh, paid on on that transfer. So it doesn't, on the face of it, doesn't really do what the folklore would indicate. However, having said that, every law has its exceptions and has its its gaps. And there are certainly ways of relinquishing either the U.S. citizenship or your green card if you're here for long enough. And 
not necessarily bearing the full brunt of those taxes or by making gifts to family members without necessarily bearing the brunt of, of that tax. Um, having said that, it's way, way, way too deep in the weeds to go into the, how, the hows and whys. Just suffice it to say that for the most part, there's a substantial cost to it, tax cost. And uh, if you're situated in the right position and you're working with the right counsel, you might figure out a way of saving some of that. So Tina Turner, maybe she, maybe her family did great uh, out of all this. I can't say particularly, but um, uh, her situation is probably not not illustrative of, of things that everyone can do. So I have a follow-up question to that. We're actually working on a case right now with a, a family that's considering moving to Italy and uh, for estate tax purposes. Um, they are well above the, the exemption. If I understand what you're saying correctly, the taxes are still going to be paid if they relinquish citizenship to Italy. But um, if they still have assets in the U.S. or if the, most of their assets are in U.S. dollars, is there ways they can, I guess, minimize or mitigate the, the taxes or their goal being to uh, eliminate some of the estate tax by moving to Italy? Is that is that a, a fair assessment? There are almost always planning opportunities, sometimes greater, sometimes lesser, uh, often planning opportunities that we can accomplish um, or we can you know, grab onto. Um, not knowing anything about this case, obviously I can't say whether they have or they have not, uh, they have access to these opportunities. But um, one of the, uh, in the, one of the estate tax issues are in here. It's, it's actually referred to as an inheritance tax because of uh, who pays the tax. But it, the trigger on a gift or request, if it goes to a U.S. citizen, so if this family moves out, and if every one of their family members relinquish their citizenship, maybe there's an opportunity there uh, to, to do some tax planning. Their children would have to move as well then, the entire family. Uh, that's right. As long as it's going to a U.S. citizen, if the money goes back to a U.S. citizen, the U.S. citizen pays the tax. Well, David, let's let's pull this back to the United States now. And as we all have clients that it, it seems to me like even over the last three years, um, we're seeing more folks that are that are living in the Northeast, maybe they're Pennsylvania, Jersey, New York, that are looking to buy homes in Florida. Might be the weather, it might be other reasons. Um, maybe it's the taxes in Florida, maybe it's the estate taxes, income tax and estate tax. But is it that simple that you can just move your residence or have a residence in, for example, Florida and uh, eliminate some taxes to kind of walk us through some of the challenges and, and also opportunities? I will say, look, I'm, I'm in Florida and I, the weather is an attractive element. Uh, I remember when I moved myself down from the Northeast, I was very pleased to get rid of my snowblower. I will tell you that uh, that uh, taxes tend to be uh, seem to be a much bigger motivator for a lot of people. Uh, and yes, the answer is you can change your residence and you can free yourself of state income tax and state estate tax, if that's, if, if, if that's a factor. Um, but it's not exactly as easy as people seem to think of it. I think it is. I can't tell you how many people I have a conversation with that say something like, well, I'm out of name the state, you know, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. I'm out of that state for more than 183 days, so I don't pay any tax. 
I am a resident of Florida. And my answer to them is, well, I'm sorry to tell you, you're wrong. <laughs> That's not all it takes. Uh, I will tell you that, that, that uh, and then I get resistance to that. Of course it is. My friend doesn't pay tax. He did this. Well, if, if, if all it was just because my friend did something well, I should buy the same lottery ticket numbers he got when he won this lottery. Of course. So, you know, so, it, it, no, it's not as simple as that, the problem is. Um, and, and in fact, uh, inevitably the conversation comes down to, look, I could, I could help you structure yourself right uh, if you want, but, or if you pr prefer to just wait, um, I can help you fight an audit at about 10 times the cost. So um, the, the real problem is that people don't understand the rule. Okay, there's a, a rule on uh, that says that if I am, and, and by the way, we're focusing on people to, the, to make it easy for this conversation that have a home or some, what we call a permanent place of abode, but call it a house for argument's sake, in both the Northern state and Florida. Okay, there's nuances here. We're not gonna get involved in. It is entirely possible that, and let's take someone in New Jersey, that, that uh, Mr. X uh, spends uh, two months of the year in New Jersey and 10 months in Florida, and it's entirely possible he has to pay all the tax in New Jersey that New Jersey wants, all the income tax, all the estate tax, if it ever comes down to that. Oh, I'm sorry, no estate tax, but if there's an inheritance tax potentially uh, in New Jersey. Um, in New York, there is an, an estate tax. So it's entirely possible um, that, that it doesn't matter that they're out for 183 days. The reason is the rule of 183 day rule says, uh, it, most people have it backwards. It doesn't say if I'm out 183 days, I'm free. What it says is if I'm in uh, the Northern state for 183 days or more, uh, then I lose, <laughs> right? But it doesn't, the corollary isn't that I win if I'm out. Okay, so that's, that's the problem. Most people don't understand that. And it comes, when we do this analysis, uh, it comes down to, and when, frankly, when the auditors do this analysis, we're not making the rules. Um, what we do is we do these uh, contrived audits, if you will. Right? We look at someone's situation the way an auditor would look at it and, and, and determine whether they should be subject to tax. Uh, the first thing to look at is what's called domicile. Right? Domicile is, is where, in, a, in, a, in, the court, in the cases, it, it sort of says the place you return to from when you're away. I like to look at it as if everything went to hell in your life uh, and all you had is two houses, where would you live? You know, where would you go back to? Uh, would it be the place where you're up north, where your family, your kids are, your grandchildren are? You know, would it be the place in Florida for whatever reason? That, that, that's sort of how it's defined. But, you know, these are, domicile is, is sort of a, uh, you know, you have to read someone's mind. What do they intend? Where do they intend to be living? And, and you can't really uh, make determinations on things like that. So what they look at is they look at factors, right, to read your mind. And they say things like, where is your family? I mean, do you have a little kids in school? I mean, are you trying to tell me that you've got, you know, a fourth grader up in New York in school and you're living in Florida? You know, and I'm not talking about, uh, uh, you know, uh, rotten 
uh, you know, public school. Um, so uh, they look at things like uh, where, where did you move all of your important personal effects, you know, the family photo albums. You know, I had a client who had um, a, a multi-million dollar antique auto collection up in New Jersey and um, and wanted to keep it up there with the house up there instead of for some reason not move it down to the new house in Naples. Well, first of all, why keep a multi-million dollar auto collection in snow and salt? But besides that, I, I, my answer to them was, no matter whatever else we do with this planning, if you leave that collection up there, you're going to lose your case because that's important to you, right? These are the important things. You know, where you want to see the things you love to see. So there are all sorts of, there's five basic factors that they look at. You know, they also look at these other things. You know, uh, where did you get your, you know, do you have a driver's license someplace, you know, a library card, where do you vote? But frankly, those elements, everybody thinks that's really important, right? 183 days and I have a driver's license. Not that big a deal. Okay, uh, if you don't do it, you lose because those are just too easy, right? You have to do it. If you don't do it, you lose. But that you do it doesn't matter that much. Okay, it's, it's an interesting little dichotomy there. Um, so what they're really looking at is sort of this nuanced way of crafting your life. You know, um, uh, what's really uh, important in your life and what draws you to a home? What's a, what is a home? Right. That is what they're looking for. How does this typically work? Is it the estate tax is filed and, and the burden of proof then is on the estate? Uh, they say, hey, our residence is Florida, but then there are other residences in New York and New York comes back and says, we'll prove it to us. Or Florida says, prove yeah. it to us. Is that typically how it, it rolls out? So for the most part, Florida doesn't care. Okay, now, now that's not entirely true, right? We have in Florida, we have a whole concept of homestead and things, and, and you have to have your primary residence down here for it to be your homestead. So Florida does more or less care, but they're not going to, you know, if, if, if you more or less have sort of touch the right bases, uh, you can establish homestead down here fairly easily. Well, the, the state that cares is the state that's losing the money, right? There's no income tax in Florida, right? That's the whole point. There's no state tax in Florida. So the, the burden of proof is on the, is on the party who's saying that residence has changed. So if, if I'm moving to, from, you know, the North to the South and, um, and, and I'm saying that now I am going to uh, be a resident of Florida. Uh, if I get audited by the former state, uh, it's my burden of proof. Uh, it's, it's my burden to prove that I've moved. But by the way, let me just say that that domicile, I described domicile moments ago, right? Um, if I am successful in proving that my domicile is Florida, that I've done all these things, I've moved all the things that are important to me, I, I've proven that this is my home in Florida, I could still be taxed in New Jersey or New York um, and, and, you know, these other states. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because, and that's where the 183 rule comes in. Right. It says, even if I'm a domicile someplace, if I have a permanent place of abode, if I have a house up in call it New Jersey, uh, I am in New Jersey for more than 183 days. Then uh, even though I'm a domicile, I will still pay income tax to uh, New Jersey as a New Jersey resident. Dom- so, domicile seems so, pretty objective. Well, that's the whole point is that yeah. now they, so that they look at all of these criteria. 
right? They look at these such subject, you know, these 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 concrete criteria to try and come up with this this amorphous concept. But but that's not unusual in the law. We're always looking for intent, and we're always looking to figure out what indicates intent if we can't just trust you to tell us, right? So. I'm sure this happens a ton. How does if someone wants to keep ties in the Northeast, how do they avoid legally avoid being subject to taxes in those states if they also reside in Florida? So having ties is not a problem. Plenty of people have ties, and there's nothing wrong with having ties. It's it's the magnitude of the ties. So what what magnitude of ties you know, should one one be wary of? Sometimes people say, "Look, look at the value of the two houses you have." Right? And, um, if I have a two bedroom apartment someplace in, in in the middle of new jersey as opposed to a mansion in florida you could say look yeah I, it's a convenience right uh, or if i have uh, even a, a vacation home on the shore people understand people do things for vacation that's not a tie that's necessarily going to trigger a uh, tax right but you know you can't always do that uh, i have a seven million dollar condo in in new york city that may be very well six seven hundred square feet <laughs> you know that it's uh, you know so so it's not a completely uh, accurate uh, rule. It's interesting. They'll look at things in an audit. They'll look really deep in, at things. Uh, um, they'll look at your moving receipts, right? And they'll look at your insurance premiums and say, where are the things? Where do you keep all your jewelry? Where do you keep your mom, grandma's Hummels? I like to say, you know, uh, the family photo albums. You know, did you move down the very valuable piano that you have? Um, you know, where's things being sure? So they look at these kinds of things. Um, uh, if if you don't have these things uh, following you, you know, it's one thing, of course, to say, look, I've got two of everything, right? So if you don't have these things following you, that could be an issue. You make an argument. It's a uh, um, very fact specific, and therefore the planning for this is very detailed. You don't walk into a lawyer's office one day and say, "I'm moving tomorrow. Let's prove I'm not a resident." Um, in, in a very in, in the situations where they get complicated and expensive, you know, and there's a lot, a lot of going on, uh, you want to be clear that you've planned this thing properly, and it takes quite a while, sometimes months and months, to yeah. do the proper planning. One of the, I guess, observations from Mark and I, and specifically our firm, is that the activity and the amount of, of inquiries we get from the community about estate planning with this looming January 20 of 26 <laughs> deadline that's coming up that could impact many more people. I mean, the estate tax now, or January 26, you know, is certainly going to impact a, a a, a larger percentage of the population. And so I guess the, the question is, um, you know, there's other solutions beyond what we do, which is structuring life insurance policies and having them tucked into a trust and, and create this wonderful tax-free environment. But there's other solutions. And some of those other solu- solutions involve meeting with you, as you just said, and, and having enough of a, a timeline and an advance deliberate decision-making process about residents and where to live and, and how to structure this. So I guess maybe our, our final question, and, and there may be something else you want to add, but our, our final question would be, give our audience some advice on maybe when to start thinking about 
meeting with you, when to start thinking about residents and domiciles and where things are and ties to different states. Is it, it's not one day. Is it three years? Is it six years? And, and you know, how long does it take to, to, to line up the affairs appropriately so that you can prove and you can achieve what you want to achieve? So uh, that's actually a, a very insightful question. Every client's different, right? Uh, I, I, I will say that if there's a common denominator, it's not don't show up a week before. Um, but in some cases, I'd say, you know, four or six months of planning. In some cases, it could be a year or two years of planning. Uh, it depends on how complicated one's, one's life is. Um, and it also, to some extent, depends on how much we're talking about savings. Uh, I'd say uh, the sooner the better. Uh, it's never too soon, right? Because we could always say, all right, come back to me in a year. But too late is always too late. So from that point of view, I think uh, you have to come into this with the expectation that this is a serious planning venture uh, and that we we need to be very uh, conscientious about it and not just sort of kiss it off as if I only need to be someplace for 183 days. Yeah. There's consequences to all the decisions, right? I mean, if you're if you really are changing where you're living. <laughs> That folks need to think through what that means. That's right. That's right. And it, it, it is, it's very, it's, it's very involved. That's exactly right. And going back to something you mentioned earlier, by the way, I will say that, that anytime we're talking about a substantial amount of tax, we always understand the value of life insurance, right? To cover that, that, that ultimate cost. And uh, life insurance has that unique benefit of covering uh, those, those taxes. And it, the, the concept of residency is not necessarily a hand in glove with life insurance, but it's, but nothing is necessarily immune to, to tax. And um, so from a federal standpoint, which we're never talking about getting away from federal tax when it's talking about state tax residency, um, you know, what we do know is that today uh, a couple can leave $26 million and have no estate tax um, uh, in uh, in a couple of years, January first, twenty twenty six. We're talking about probably somewhere between twelve and fourteen million dollars, um, which opens up a whole mass affluent market uh, to people who are exposed to tax and uh, those who have poo pooed the need for uh, life insurance to pay tax in the past are going to find that they have this this new need and. Um, I've always been a, a a big fan of the use of a properly structured, uh, properly priced life insurance policy to uh, to solve that problem. We appreciate your time. You provided some very very good information, very applicable. It's funny. I was just at a I was just at, at an event and I was speaking with a, a business owner, and he said he, he just moved to Florida um, for the weather, but also for for tax reasons. And I said, well, how do you? How do you qualify as a, as a resident or, or how do you become an actual Floridian? And he said, you only have to be there 183 days. So after this conversation, that couldn't be more incorrect, huh? Absolutely. I mean, he may <laughs> still be doing things right, but I will tell you that that's not the right answer. Yeah. And um, if, 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 if he or other clients of yours uh, really think that, um, to make sure they have my card because they, they're either going to need it now or to uh, make sure that they do it right, or they're going to definitely need it later when they get audited. And those, except it'll just, as I said before, it's probably about ten times the cost. Well, uh, I'm sure he'll uh, listen to the so. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Uh, anyway, yeah, it's 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 actually quite sad uh, um, when uh, I, I feel bad for a lot of these people because they really do believe this, and and they they listen to the guy in the con, you know, in, in their in in their uh, you know country club, that just just got it all backwards. So, well, David, that's all we have for today. Is there anything else you wanna you wanna add? No, I just thank you very much for having me, and it's always a it's always a pleasure to speak with you guys. Uh, you're you're you know you're you're, you're you're at the top of your game and. I always like uh, dealing with people at the top of that game. Thank the you. The feeling's very mutual. Thank you, David, for your time. David Newfeld. Absolutely. Material and opinions voiced are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what is appropriate for you, please contact a member of our team.